What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheen. I am here with my co-host, Dave Martinson. Welcome back, dog. How was your two-week vacation? Premeditated murder. <laughs> that was really good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, if you've been following the pod, we did a, uh, a movie review last week, didn't touch on any of the stuff, and of course, basically everything blew up in the last week or so. Pretty obvious that we were not recording it live, but that's okay, because we're going to catch up today. We got a ton to get to. This is going to be an all-music pod. Be looking for movie and and TV, or just movie, I think, pod later in the week. Why don't we start with with something that we talked about before, just to kind of bookend this, or at least update our listeners on the saga. Spotify uh, mentioned that they are going to be uh, taking a step back from their policy so that they're not going to be promoting problematic artists like uh extentacion um and r kelly we, we kind of mentioned that this is going to be a, a tough policy for them to maintain and sustain but i was wondering what, what were your thoughts around them kind of saying ah we're going to walk this back yeah a bit. i mean i wasn't that surprised because if you remember when they got challenged on it you know remember when x x's team responds well mm-hmm. what about all of these people that are accused of blank yep. you know and they're like, well, it's a case-by-case case basis. It just didn't seem like they had totally thought it out. So, you know, walking it back, you, know, you kind of see all it coming, especially when uh, reportedly artist camps, including Kendrick Lamar, threatened to pull music from Spotify if the policy uh, remained, which is pretty nutty. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, um, and, that, and also, Spotify is the most subscribed to streaming service, you know, going 70 million plus. But Apple Music's been closing that gap. Apple Music, I think, most recently is up to fifty. Um, so mm. they really they couldn't afford to have that like streaming exclusive thing come back into play, you know. So I think Spotify wants to protect itself in the end of the day. Um, if that means Tacion has to go back on rap caviar, they're gonna do it. Um, I mean, it's just weird because like they didn't, it didn't seem like they had a lot of conviction about the policy, but they still put it out in the first place. It's very strange. Yeah, it's definitely strange. Um... You know, I when we talked about it, I think we you know check out check that out soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod or subscribe on YouTube below. Um, one of the things we mentioned, which is just going to be a lot of work for them to be kind of going by case by case basis, and where is that line drawn? It's such a gray area, and uh, it's it's all a lot of it's just allegations at this point. There's no charges, and a lot of this gets even taken care of behind the scenes. There's no it never actually follows through in court so then you're kind of just leaving Mm -hmm. in this like well what did we as spotify set the moral standard to be so this was just too difficult of a thing to to kind of put in place right now if you're going to take down one problematic artist you have to take down a lot of other ones and just the backlash of it it, spotify's a business and that's the thing what they weren't even taking it down remember they were just not programming we're we're not going to put you on our influential playlist because we don't want to prop you up and it's i don't believe it's an outrageous thing i said that before but you know, there was still some backlash from it from the music industry, and Spotify is a product of the industry at the end of the day. So, you know, I, I think it kind of sucks, but, I mean, it, reportedly X's streams did go down when this happened. Uh, then R. Kelly's briefly peaked, but he doesn't have he doesn't have a lot of streams to begin with. So it might not be the last we've heard of it, but probably the last we've heard of it for some time. Yeah, it's definitely going to be something we'll be keeping track of, so uh, stay tuned in to our podcast to get the updates on that so you got back from vacation abroad come home and head right to governor's ball for the saturday tell me about your experience at governor's ball this year the 2018 yeah you know you gotta do for the culture man no days off yeah i went to one day this year saturday 
and I saw J Electronica, Kalela, Two Chains, Pusha T, Halsey, and Travis Scott. And it was actually a great day. I uh, really liked everyone I saw. Uh, a lot of cool moments. And generally speaking, I thought a lot of the crowds were really great. Pusha T and Travis Scott were my big standouts. But even like J Electronica was at 215. I mean, obviously he's a, you know, he kind of made this joke on stage. He was like, some people know me as that guy who never put out an album, which I mean, yeah, dog. <laughs> and rap heads know me as the guy who made Exhibit A and Exhibit C. And then if you go in Whole Foods, people know me as Erica Badu's baby daddy. And I was like, that was hilarious. <laughs> but then he also, and I uh, tweeted this at Martin Swagger, but he brought out like everyone on stage. I had flashes of when I saw Tyler, the creator in 2013, where like his, he got his set shut down. Jay, like you're doing the 215 set, dog. I don't know if you have the fucking pull to just tell the security guards to fuck off, but he did and mm-hmm. they let him stay on for a while. Then he actually like waded into the crowd, which is really funny. He was doing all of his second verses acapella. So he was actually really, really compelling. Quote, That's album awesome. coming soon. So as we know, as we all know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Incredibly engaging, yeah, it sounds for like. Sure. It's definitely how you, you gain a loyal fan base is being interacting yeah, definitely. with the fans. And then he hung around afterwards and dapped everyone up and stuff. I was, like, I was really impressed. Kalela played Let Me Know, my favorite song from her album, Take Me Apart, last year, which was on our Spotify playlist. She played that as her first song. And I'm like, oh, cool. I don't have to feel bad about leaving early to go get a good spot for 2 Chains. Clarity saw the song I wanted to see. <laughs> but she was cool. Right. 2 Chains played I'm Different before I had to leave for Pusha T. Honestly, like I saw I'm Different from 2 Chains. I saw New God of Flow from Pusha T. And I saw Exhibit C from... Electronica, and I think those are three of the greatest rap songs of the century. So I was very happy with that. Pusha T, uh, I felt like I was at a moment for Pusha T because this was his first like public appearance yeah. since Daytona came out, since the Drake beef happened, which we'll get to, of course. Well, and he was filling in for Brockhampton, who canceled their tour after Van, Amir uh, Van. Amir Van, I was going to say Van Meer, <laughs> was kicked out of the group. So this is, I mean, huge that not only is he in the middle of this beef, he just dropped this awesome album, uh, but then he gets booked for Governor's Ball. This is his first set since all this happened, so that's huge. Yeah, and the crowd, uh, this is in the tent, the crowd, the crowd wanted fucking blood. Like, the crowd was hyped. The DJ warmed up with some, uh, like, good music songs, like, you know, Can't Tell Me Nothing stuff, and man, the crowd was so fucking jazzed. Mm-hmm. And then anytime there was a lull, People were yelling, like, fuck Drake, fuck Drake, fuck Drake. <laughs> and, like, you know, Push It after a while was just, like, you know, like, you know, like, relax mm-hmm. kind of deal. But, I mean, I'd seen Push at the Meadows as well. But, like, Jay Electronica, he's just a consummate professional. He's really great. Yeah. And New God Flow grinding basically all of Daytona, I think, or at least, like, six of the songs. And, like, the, en- the energy was insane. Then he did uh, Mercy and I Don't Like. Just killed he it. He was fantastic. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. What about Travis Scott? I mean, a Halsey, I, I kind of know what we're getting from her at this point, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, she was fine. Uh, you know, she's. She, I think she played, she actually, I was, you know what I was impressed with Halsey? Uh, the crowd. Uh, she played a lot of, like, she has two, you know, big platinum albums. I mean, I, they're not, like, great projects in our opinion, but she's really popular. And I was impre- I was surprised, rather, that a lot of her crowd knew the album deep cuts, like, word by word, like the non-singles. So I was actually impressed with the fans. But then Travis, Travis was a fucking movie, dude. He um, obviously has the reputation of being an amazing live performer. But what really stands out about Travis Scott is that he makes his songs better live. Like a song like Butterfly Effect, which is a big song for him that came out last year. But it's it's kind of mellow. And that song is the hypest shit ever when he performs it. (laughs) And I mean, there's that amazing video of him performing it 
over in Europe at a open air for line. And like the Europeans are going nuts to butterfly effect. And it's same thing for here. Um, he brought out, uh, uh, fucking what's his name? West check for Mo Bamba. The, the the New York guy he's mm-hmm. so new we didn't even talk about him for XSL freshman <laughs> but th- that was that was pretty dope uh, James Harden was there on the side and uh, yeah Travis like he like gallops on stage he just has this presence the way he performs and like you know he's all about the rage and I mean the, I, I I chose to wait in line for a good spot for Travis for like an hour and a half as opposed to watching Russ. Of course, why would I watch Russ? Uh, but it was worth it. Yeah, he was great. That's awesome, man. I'm glad that you had a good time. Yeah, Governor's Ball. I was gonna go Friday. Ended up skipping out based on uh, weather reports, and just I decided to go see uh, Pretty Lights in uh, August instead. So uh, I'll review that concert when I go. But someone that you didn't see because you didn't go on Friday is your guy, the John Mayer 2.0, Sean Mendez, who dropped a new album, self-titled. Uh, it's his third studio album. I don't know if he has any other non-studio albums, so I don't know why. I'm... I mean, he's only 19. Yeah. Young, young you Buck. Know, I don't think he, Former Vine star. Yeah, I was going to say, he made it big on Vine. Uh, he's obviously blown up the last couple of years. Uh, Stitches, I mean, that song was freaking everywhere. Treat You Better, Nothing Holding Me Back. He's got a lot of, like, you know, pop. I know what you did last summer with Camilla Cabello. He's got, yeah, those are four mega smashes you just named. And I mean, he's 19, like you said again, that in that pop rock singer-songwriter type lane. I didn't really have any expectations going into this because I've never really found his work compelling. Uh, I, I kind of just see him kind of like John Mayer 2.0, where, although I think there's uh, more of an attachment to me, and, and probably a nostalgic one to John Mayer at this point. But Well, sure. What was your take on this album? I mean, it's 44 minutes, not too long. Yeah. My take was that I thought it was a lot better than his previous one. Huh. I think he, he, initially he came off as you know a little amateurish, like lyrically simple, which is you know one thing. But in general, it just seemed like like all right, Sean Mendes is talented, but we know these albums he's making at seventeen are not going to be as good as the one he makes at twenty five. Sure. You know, and I thought you know this self titled album, his third record, and uh, his third album since what twenty uh, twenty fifteen. So he's been pretty prolific. Uh, I thought yeah, I think it just stands out more. Songs like "Lost in Japan" and mm-hmm. "Where Are You in the Morning." Like those songs sound so different from anything on his previous work. It's just I think like he does more with his vocals. I think the production is a lot more varied. And uh, you know, I mean, I I, I think it, like it's weird because he's like I mean, he spoke about his popularity. I mean, he's the third youngest solo artist to have three number one albums. Crazy, uh, which is insane. Do, could you guess? Who the, who the other two people would be, by chance? Third youngest solo artist to have three number one records. Three number one, three. Yeah. Are they all rock related? Not rock. They're, they're both recent. Recent. Both still active. Bieber. Yep. Bieber's one. And I'm trying to. I don't know who else. Ed Sheeran. Miley Cyrus. Ah, My, uh, that makes sense. Miley Cyrus. Yeah. And I think Shawn Mendes. He's like he, he's only 19 years old. He's kind of like a Gen Z like rock star. Mm-hmm. You know, the the kids eat him up and. You know, I'm mean, part of that. He's a, you know, he's a, he's got that strong jaw. He's an attractive <laughs> dude, but I, I do think he's a talented guy. And you bring up the John Mayer comparison. I don't think the John Mayer comparison worked at all until this album. Mm. I, I think that the music he was making wasn't didn't really sound like John Mayer to me until recently, in my opinion. John Mayer, it was asked about him in an interview recently, and he described his body. I'm trying to see if I can remember the quote. He described it as like that skinny athletic with like a magic trick body, and I was like. <laughs> 
<laughs> what are you talking about, John sure. Mayer? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, I agree. The, the two songs that stood out to me also were Lost in Japan and, uh, and Where uh, Where Were You in the Morning. Um, it, both of those did have a much more like mature sound. The um, He was talking about stuff that I think was a little bit edgier than his other albums, but still, mm-hmm. like this is as hard as this guy gets is like, being upset that yeah. someone's not there after a one night stand, like uh, right. he's he's M- mutuals the same way yeah. too. So like, oh, you got to reciprocate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The the thing about those songs though is he's definitely trying something, and and he kind of nails that like funky groove vibe, almost kind of in a way. Dare I say, like the nineteen seventy five in a sense, like uh, in some of this. <laughs> who also, you know, we should we should say are uh, going to be dropping a new album very soon. So uh, something to keep track of that i will not listen to but i'll let you talk about if you want to when it comes out um <laughs> i like one of their songs and i'm not a nice <laughs> <Five> fan <laughs> yeah but I, I don't know it's sean mendez is similar to, he's definitely in a stratosphere above charlie uh pluth but i i, I was gonna ask you about that because that charlie pluth record there's like four songs that i was listening to a lot on my trip hmm. i gotta give it to wow. him I, like the four songs i like i really fucking dig but i do i think sean mendez probably doesn't have the pen of Charlie Puth, but he has more of the showmanship, you know? And they have different strengths. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like Justin Bieber. Like, there are probably pop stars who are more talented or, you know, better lyrically. But Bieber's just got that that draw. He's just a legitimate star. And I think Mendez has that. He's like, uh, he, I mean, he's kind of like One Direction or anyone like that. You know, sure. they, they grab that, yeah. that teen backing and they, they don't let go of it because they, they can kind of manipulate it and have those people follow them. They're, they're rabid fans. So uh, Mendez, I, I see above Puth, but I think I think they're kind of in the same level in terms of where they're at musically. And this record, 182,000 first week, 142,000 were traditional album sales. <laughs> in terms of pure sales, that's the fifth biggest week of the year behind Post Malone, Jason Aldean, J. Cole, and Justin Timberlake. And in terms of the company he's keeping, in terms of pure sales, like, the dude's going to be a force. Yeah, I was just looking on Spotify at his at the numbers of his songs, the plays, and I was like, oh, these probably got like a couple million. And he's like in like the 15, 20 million range for some of these, so even higher for his yeah. hits. I'm like, holy crap, this guy is, he's a juggernaut right now. Well, we move on, though, to the Church's uh, their third album as well. A lot of third albums we're talking about today, strangely <laughs> enough. Uh, Love is Dead. Um, so Church's, they, they became big, what was it, 2013? With, uh, yeah. A, a, relatively recently. What was that? I said a relatively recent band. I actually thought they were older than they were. Yeah, 2013's Every Open Eye. Uh, obviously, they um, blew up with the song Leave a Trace. Um, and, well, that was, it was 2015's Every Open Eye. I'm sorry. And then um, The Bones of What You Believe was their 2013 album with the song Mother We Share, which was their, their breakout hit from that. Uh, you know, very synth poppy band from uh, Scotland. They they were self or they were they sounded as close to like self produce as uh, like rock bands did at that time and, and even on their last album had the same kind of feel but they brought in the big guns for this uh, this record they brought in Greg Kirsten a super producer oh, we've yeah. been talking about and Steve Mack who's produced like One Direction and Ed Sheeran and Ariana Grande um, so they they brought in the big guns to try to push this album to the next level did this album push churches to the next level for you Dave. As a rock band. Well, they definitely tried. There's <laughs> definitely more pop sensibilities. That, that was like the most... Nope, but they were kind of there. No, I liked it. Mm-hmm. As a casual fan of them, I didn't think it sounded that much different than their first two albums. Not at all. Besides obvious 
radio mm-hmm. leaning. So, I mean, I don't think they like compromise themselves, but do I expect them to make a big impact with this? No, probably not. Um, in terms of like, you know, big, big success or anything, obviously they're a very successful band. But I thought it was good. I think it's probably a to be expected progression, you know, three albums in. Yeah. The thing about the album to me, I mean, I agree there. The sound didn't change much. I think like a song like Graffiti, you kind of hear the backings, how they have like the chant in the background uh, throughout the song, uh, kind of pushing it forward. Um, it was kind of a lopsided album. I feel like it, it, the back end of it was a lot weaker than the front end. You know, songs like Graffiti, Get Out, um, Miracle, uh, My Enemy are all in the like the middle to the first half of the album. The end of it kind of tailed off for me. I found myself a little bit bored by the end. I also found their songwriting to be just kind of boring they it wasn't really anything super interesting it was a lot of like Mm -hmm. yeah you know like heartbreak um not even really like a new perspective on it in a lot of ways but the songs that that did bang like like i said graffiti get out miracle those songs fucking go for me did you notice i i know you're not a big rockhead but did you notice that that the duet for my enemy who the singer was that was with her mayberry no it was matt Matt berenger of the national oh that's the national guy he, he's been uh, doing a lot of stuff recently, so someone to keep an eye on. But yeah, Churches, I don't know if this is the worst thing to say for them. I mean, the album was fine, but it kind of leaves us just saying, yeah, it's Churches, like another solid album. But Have you seen them live? Because I knew they took a while to come into their own in terms of performing. I'm trying to think. I've, I've definitely watched a live stream of them from Coachella. I don't remember if I ever saw them live, though. I th- they were at, right. at GovBall, I think, for Friday, I think. So. They were so was Shawn Mendes. Yeah, yeah. So we we missed them. Someone that from the little research we did for this, we were surprised to find ASAP Rocky has never been at Governor's Ball. Yeah, it seems like a strange thing. We, we, I gotta look into that a little bit more. I'm sure he's on some like lower tier or something. I, I've seen ASAP Ferg at Governor's Ball last year, but Rocky, as far as I could tell, has never been there. Despite being a New York rapper and one of the biggest for a while, probably the biggest you know New York New York rapper. <laughs> But yeah, I'm testing new album. I'm pretty sure there's a line in this album that where he he raps, "I put New York on the map," which I mean, what what a claim. Um, <laughs> for sure. Third, so his third his third album. Uh, I mean, this guy blew up in 2013 as well with uh, his. Well, not really. He blew up in 2011. Well, for his first tape. Well, I don't I don't remember his first tape. First album I remember fucking problems off of that was huge. Right, of course. Um. But yeah, t- t- give me a little bit more background on ASAP then, because obviously I'm, I'm not going back as far as its beginnings. Well, yeah, li- Live Long ASAP, his first uh, mixtape mm-hmm. came out in 2011. His, actually, his only mix, only solo mixtape. And that, that, you know, Peso was on that, and Purple Swag. And like Rocky comes out, and he's just breath of fresh air. This New York guy with this Houston based sound, and it's like, you know, really cloud rappy and also like really aggressive. And, you know, he's. he's immediately the most exciting thing in rap and then like you as you alluded to uh, his debut on long live asap comes out in 2013 and that thing is just fucking loaded with hits fucking problems his biggest hit to date obviously a song with drake kendrick lamar and two chains as well as rocky um wild for the night with skrillex uh, suddenly phoenix fashion killer goldie like so many hits suddenly angels like there's a million good songs in that right and everyone's like wow rocky's like position to be like one of the next stars you know maybe he could challenge drake who was really coming up at that time right um and then and you know i mean he it, the interesting thing though is he didn't have any really big like 
big chart hits from that besides fucking problems, which was a top ten song. But I mean, when you're on a song with Drake and Kendrick and Kendrick was just blowing up then too, it's tough to give Rocky a lot of credit for that one. I mean, like and Wild for the Night, a song that's really popular, that peaked at like number eighty, you know? So like he didn't like make as many inroads as you would think off that album. And then in twenty fifteen, you know, after, you know, two year break, at long last ASAP comes out and that's kinda like really left field. Like there's good cuts on that, like Wavy Bone, Electric Body and this whole time he's had some really good collabs with Schoolboy Q, Electric Body being the most recent one, but you know, he he it was too long, there's too much blow on it, and it was definitely like like doubling down the cloud rap, getting like really like atmospheric, but also not progressing lyrically. And again, didn't make any chart entries really in any progression off that thing. LSD peaked at sixty two, so again, not a nothing really major. And then since then, 2015, it's been a while, um, just like the, the wait for Pusha T, for T's uh, album, you know, Rocky, you know, he's been around and like, you know, the cozy tape, ASAP Mogs mixtapes have come out and been, had some good songs and ASAP Ferg has surprisingly become a complete artist himself. But Rocky, you know, he's, he's kind of been wanting more. And, you know, I mean, since fucking problems, his biggest hits are No Limit, which is his feature on a Jeezy song with Cardi B, you know, mm-hmm. and he's just doing the hook. It's a simple hook, right? And like he has that big, that's big song with Selena Gomez, and his next biggest hit is a fucking feature on Famous Dex's song "Pick It Up," which came out like six months ago. It's just weird that Rocky hasn't been able to like be relevant in that sense, you know? I mean, obviously he's relevant. I mean, he dated Kendall Jenner. He's in the fashion scene. Like, it's not like Rocky's hurt or anything, but we've kind of just been a little disappointed recently with his output. And then you get to testing. Uh, he started teasing some songs on SoundCloud that didn't make this, but we were like, this shit sounds a little weird. Yeah. He's kind of fucking around. What is this? And then testing comes out, and, you know, concept of testing sounds. You know, obviously the something-something ASAP moniker changed, right? Mm-hmm. He wishes this was his Yeezus, and it's not. It's no. not Yeezus. Yeah. You know, testing is a, an appropriate name, I guess, because he's obviously someone that's trying to find, like, who am I as an artist? Like, what's my lane at this point in the rap game? And he doesn't really find it on this. I mean, this is a very uh, experimental and disjointed yeah. album that... It's just uneven as fuck. Yeah, even the production on it really isn't that great. Um, I mean, and his flow at times doesn't even match the beat. It's it's strange. You know, even my favorite song, which is the uh, the remix to At Lo- Sorry, ASAP yeah, Forever. ASAP Forever remix. Cuddy kills it, and then there's like a it kind of lulls down, and all of a sudden Moby comes in. <laughs> yeah, like because they were sampling Moby, and then they give you like the full like full song in case you didn't realize it was a Moby sample. Like that was really stupid. Um, just because like why the song like. It's fine. You can stop the song right. now. And I think there's good moments. Like, obviously, the Cuddy feature, mm-hmm. like, you hear those hums, and you're just like, yes. And it's actually, like, a, you know, a melodic Cuddy yeah. verse. You know, it's refreshing. It's unlike anything that's been in his recent albums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Buckshot was probably the best, like, solo Rocky song. Yeah, Buckshot. I think that sounds, that's, a, that's a tough song. That sounds kind of more vintage Rocky. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord, Skepta again with a great feature, just, like, on a song from Playboy Cardi's album. Uh, and I thought Purity, yep. Frank, another rap verse for ASAP. Obviously, he was on Wrath mm-hmm. from the Cozy Tapes. And I thought Frank killed it on Purity. But other than that, I mean, like, OG Beeper, mm-hmm. decent. And I'm just disappointed because I know I, I to expect more from Rocky. And ever since Playboy Cardi joined Mixtape, Playboy Cardi has been hotter. It's just strange. I just don't understand 
like this weird bell curve Rocky's been on. It just doesn't make sense. Rocky, I mean, I remember when I uh, when fucking problems blew up, I was like, oh, this guy's gonna be freaking huge. He's gonna be one of like the bigger names in, in rap for the foreseeable future. And I don't think that of him anymore. I kind of see him as an artist struggling to really get his feet under him and, and kind of figure out where he's going at this point. It's kind of, uh, you know, not not only disappointing, but it's kind of sad because I feel like there's a lot of potential that he just hasn't been able to really uh, tap into yet. Yeah. And, you know, maybe how, how much did it do would you attribute, you attribute to ASAP BM's passing? ASAP BM's, of course, was like the creative energy, creative force behind all of the mob. And, you know, I mean, he was really influential in making Rocky. Rocky was the first ASAP member to have any buzz whatsoever. And, you know, I mean, I'm not going to totally discredit rocky's contributions obviously it's on him but like you know maybe he's still kind of a little aimless post dms you know who knows could be um i mean and like i mean shit like i saw rocky live in 2012 was it i caught him on a stage dive uh he says bitch don't touch the, my braids but i touch the braids <laughs> like like i fucking love asap rocky's great songs and i'm just this is just a miss and i mean it's doing decent you know 75,000 first week um only 13,000 traditional, of course, like a new new rap release, generally true. Uh, that's number four. That's 75,000 on 15 tracks, number four, which lost out to Pusha T, who did 77,000 on seven tracks. Daytona, dog. Doesn't look good for Rocky. If you know, you know. Our guy, <laughs> Push. When he was Rocky's age, he was still the Clips, obviously. Brother. Correct. But he's come a long Mouse. way. Now he's the president of good music. Took that over from Kanye West. He's also basically the cocaine cowboy of the rap world. Uh, that's his... his uh, Pablo Escobar. <laughs> yeah, the Pablo Escobar of rap. Um, <laughs> man, uh, Daytona. So this is his follow-up to, what, the prelude to King Push? Darkest Before the Dawn? Uh, Darkest Before Dawn, the prelude to King Push. Uh, I which, the, the only song I think I really recall off that is Untouchable. Um, Untouchable, uh, Money Pussy Alcohol. Uh, crosses crutches caskets. Um, it was good. Yeah, it's good. Good record. But, Just like my name is my name. His debut solo album. Push is a. I mean, he's a very established artist at this point. Um, someone that yeah. I mean, how old is he? Forty? Forty-two? Yeah, something like that. I think he's forty-one. Yeah. Um, when I think of Push, obviously, I think knowing I'm a Kanye fan, I think about Runaway, and like this is the guy mm-hmm. that can come in and just like ether a song and just totally take it over and and his solo albums have been pretty good but nothing that i was like nothing that i would put in like album of the year discussion nothing that i thought like pushed him to another level of, of stardom as an artist daytona might be an album that that starts to do this for pusha i mean he's still talking about slinging cocaine he's still talking about rap mm-hmm. beefs and uh you know he you can't you can't take take the the guy out of out of his his original habitat. You know he is who he is, but this album. But it's also what he does best. Yeah. You know why would you want the change? Exactly. And this album fucking bangs, dude. From the moment that mm-hmm. beat drop on you know if you know you know like drops, it's just a heater up until the the final minute on the twenty one minute track, uh, twenty one minute album. Uh, mm-hmm. Kanye produced. I want to hear when you first listened to this. What was your initial reaction? Oh, I mean, yeah, the Kanye production is like vintage Kanye production. Vintage. We're, we're getting to yay later, but Kanye gave the better beats to Pusha. Yeah. Like, not even up for debate, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think if you know, you know, in the games we play back to back, it's just like is layered production. There's a lot of exp- assumingly expensive ass samples on this. Um, it's it's very impressive sonically, just because it's so well put together. And the thing is, and, it it doesn't like just stay at the same level. Like a song like "If You Know You Know" not. is such like there's so much going on, and then you get to a song like "Hard Piano" or even like "Santeria" when things drop out. Like it's like he does so much with so little at points on this too. Uh, Kanye's production is like top notch on this. Um, do you think Kanye was the only producer on this? Is he the only one credited? I didn't even check. He's not the only one credited, but he's cre- he is credited on every song. Mike Dean is also credited on Santeria, but Kanye did Infrared by himself, What Would Meek Do by himself, and If You Know You Know by himself. So it's by and large Kanye. Yeah, If if You Know You Know is like a classic Kanye beat, like through and through at this point. Um, well, what was your favorite song off the album? I think I asked you this when you were abroad and you were like, haven't picked one yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's too many. It's true. It's true. I thought... Infrared had made the biggest impact on me because of the sound like Nas, but it came from Quentin, yeah. Jab at Drake, which obviously spilled over into more, which we'll get to. What would Meek do has the Kanye feature, which is not like it's not vintage Kanye verse, but I thought it was good, much better than his verse on uh, Watch, the Travis Scott song. Mm-hmm. If you know, you know, I think it's a great intro, but I think Games We Play is the song I've been playing back the most. Yeah. But Comeback Baby's really good too. Honestly, I really like everything on here. I think my low, my low points, and again, this is a great seven albums of seven good songs, seven great songs. It's just what songs I think are less good. I think Hard Piano and Santeria are my two least favorite. Not that I think they're bad. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I think I asked like maybe like seven or eight uh, people I, I I know listened to this album and were hyped about it. And everybody uh, picked something a little bit different that they liked. And that was their favorite part. I had a friend that was like, oh, hard piano. Like, that's that's the shit. I had someone else who was all about infrared. Like, it's just it's interesting mm-hmm. to see how basically the songs range from good to excellent on this. And yep. um, it, I mean, it's, it's up there for one of the best albums of the year for me. Uh, which is surprising for for Push. I mean, like we said, we kind of knew what he was. He's not really going too far out of his lane here, but he just kills it on this. Um, I thought the only knock I might have is I did think the guest verses took something away. Like Kanye was okay, but he wasn't great. And Rick Ross sounded kind of lethargic on his verse. Yeah, that's why I think I think the whole second half of Hard Piano just sounds kind of out of place. Yeah, agreed. So Infrared took some shots at Drake on this. Um, and I mean, there's a long history to this, but basically, it's it's uh, Young Money uh, versus Good Music, and basically, there's the whole thing about how like it kind of starts with Pharrell in a strange way. <laughs> yeah, like he didn't get paid for a beat in '01, right. so and his clips was on that song, mm-hmm. and so thus Pharrell has not worked with a Cash Money artist since then, and that beef has largely been pointed at Birdman and Lil Wayne. Uh, then Drake, obviously, as he signs Young Money, which, of course, Young Money is in cash money, so Drake kind of inherits, you know, that beef. It's like, you know, fucking League of Nations shit, World War One, right? Yep. <laughs> the only podcast dropping League of Nations in their fucking Drake <laughs> versus Pusha. Pusha's kind of <laughs> taken shots at Lil Wayne over the past, like, 10 years here and there, right? And, like, you know, Exodus one of his hardest songs, one of his first really big mm-hmm. diss tracks as a solo artist came out, you know, probably 2012. That's Pop Can's on that. That's a great song. The Dream's on that mm-hmm. too. And so this beef has kind of been brewing. And then 
hasn't Drake Push up. been teasing well, like a be- Pharrell collab recently? And that's the thing. Pharrell doesn't say anything. Pharrell just works his ass off and just chooses who to work with. Oh, another part about this was like Billionaire Boys Club. Like Lil Wayne wanted to like ask for Billionaire Boys Club and then like you know the, the clothing line and Pharrell's camp, they're like, nah, nah, if we don't fuck with that. And then they, he wore in like a video anyway, and that like really pissed them off. Like there's a lot to this. Um I think Ebro and Rosenberg did a great rehash on mm-hmm. this. Uh on Hot 97, and obviously they've been they they were there when that happened, yeah. so like they're better to speak about than me or you. But it's fascinating stuff, and like, um, <laughs> you know, recently we talked about this on the pod, Two Birds One Stone, that Drake disc record where he took veiled shots at Pusha, and of course got more attention for kind of calling out Cuddy's uh, you know mental mental uh, state, yeah. right? And Pusha's kind of been referencing that as well. Drake Drake called it at me, so you know I was waiting for my turn to go back on infrared and since he hasn't actually had an album come out since two birds one stone came out just, it just happened to be a long wait mm-hmm. and you know here we are and um the thing that's weird about this beef to me or you know if it's really i don't know if i feel so much of beef it's just dissing like i don't know think Pusha t hates drake like hates his guts or anything you just don't, you don't even know how much well they even really know each other but Pusha, i mean sorry drake was in Wyoming working with Kanye on Ye and at these sessions, and he's been working at with him before. So, and I think that's why, like Duppy Freestyle, I thought was an, a fantastic response. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, story of added on. <laughs> you know, but but before that, Duppy Freestyle was fucking great, and Drake's like, yeah, that that, like, that saxophone. Wow, I'm in shock. Yeah, the yeah the audacity, yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, Drake is totally justified. He's like, why are you shooting at me? He's like. I pop style for 30 hours and let him repeat. It's like, bro, your guy that you work for, I've been helping him out, helping him write songs. You had me in Wyoming to help write songs. Why are you calling out me for having someone write my songs when Kanye's the one who made ghostwriting popular in rap? <laughs> it's just the stupidest charge. And Nikki tweeted about it. She was like, people always going at Drake for the old shit with Quentin Miller, blah, 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 right? Like, come on, like, Drake don't write his own songs. He didn't write some of his songs. A lot of people didn't write some of their songs. It's fine. So I thought the whole base of the beef was dumb, but W Freestyle is a great response. But the story of Adidon, like by simply name dropping Pusha's fiance, Pusha popped off. Yeah. <laughs> story of Adidon. No, no. So I listened to Story of Adidon the next day mm-hmm. because on Italy time I was six hours ahead, oh, so I was asleep God. during that great Twitter day where uh, was it? Roseanne got canceled. Uh, Story of Adidon dropped, and the Pokemon game got announced on Nintendo Switch. One of the world-class Twitter days, and I was because <laughs> I was in a different time zone. Um, so where were you when that song actually dropped that night? I literally was reading an article about Brian Colangelo's five burner accounts. That was the other thing that happened, yes. And I, I, I finished reading the Ringer article, and I come back, and I'm like, oh, there's a response. And Twitter was going off, and basically 9.30 to 11 30 at night i was just sitting on my couch cackling like reading people just like blowing up this everything oh it was an amazing twitter night um yeah man i mean the thing i guess the thing i come back to is was i mean drake is obviously like the biggest artist on cash money uh young money label right now so biggest artist in rap yeah so (laughs) he i mean everybody's gonna be taking shots at him so he can 
he rarely can win in these sort of things, especially with someone like Pusha, who isn't afraid to take the gloves off and hit below the belt. I mean, he comes at Oval 40 in the story of Adidon. He comes at Drake's uh, identity and like his, his racial identity and his insecurity with it. Yeah, with his hair and with, stuff. Not only yeah. with his hair, but then with the cover where Drake's wearing blackface. Um, right. He comes at Drake, you are hiding a child. I mean, like, <laughs> goddamn, like, <laughs> like there, there's so much that he like digs into there. Um, so this is really a no-win situation for Drake in my book because Drake's already, the, like you said, the biggest rap artist, biggest pop artist in, in the world right now. This can only really elevate Pusha, and Pusha ended the beef. I mean, uh, Jay Prince came out and and said that he asked Drake to to not respond, and apparently Drake had a a song in the chamber ready to come back. So. Uh, which was apparently going to go out Kanye a lot too, which is, man, it's very weird how that whole relationship has disintegrated, you know? Um, but yeah, Jay Prince jumped in and uh, from Rap A Lot Records, of course. And then someone someone else chimed in too, I forget. But I think like they were saying, it's like, you know, Drake, you're the head of OVO, you're the biggest guy going, and Pushy, you're also the president of Good Music. And it's getting like personal, it's getting dirty. Like, what's stop this? We don't need to do this. And like, you know, Drake kind of was a uh, diplomatic, I guess, because he had to be. He was like, about the blackface, here's my explanation. And it seemed like he was, I guess, well-intentioned, but obviously didn't land. And I just find that actually just a peculiar misstep for Drake because Drake's such a calculated artist. He has been for some time. It's part of his genius. Yeah. And the fact that that was just sitting out there waiting to be exploited against him, because it doesn't take much. It doesn't matter the fact that, like, when you think about it, all right, it's not as bad as it looks when you hear the context, but Pusha doesn't need to use the context. He just presents it as a fucking album, a song cover, and it's fucking perfect. Yeah. You know? So I'm just, I was surprised that Drake didn't previously address that because if he was someone who was struggling with his blackness and his identity, as he may have been talking about in 2008 when that photo was taken, you we would have liked to have heard a little bit more of that in your music. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't do interviews, so we don't know that that's how what you feel. Yeah. So when this comes out, it just makes you look bad. Well, and I mean, there's so many other pieces to this, like uh, Adonis, which is Drake's secret child's name, was going, you know, Adidon was going to be the name for Drake's upcoming clothing line with Adidas. So now mm-hmm. you drop this and basically you take away that clothing line because now it's associated with you being a absentee father you know not supporting your child not taking ownership of being a father i mean there's so much there right i mean and you know what's funny about that just the clothing line aspect that's following up one of drake's amazing little pokes in duppy freestyle i think that's thing about drake too he did this with back to back when he's going at meek right it's like drake will like throw like i think rosenberg was saying he'll throw the little grenades to go up blow up in the camp and stir some shit up in good music right and he's like oh you know like the thing about the virgil line and he was like oh kanye you remember how you've like struggled to be accepted in uh fashion you can't just do it on your own you have always collaborative people with you and you just can't get where you want to be and then virgil was with you and virgil goes off on his own next thing you know he makes off white out of nothing one of the most ascendant fashion brands we've had in like the past five years connie that's what you wanted and you just let that guy leave and do it on his own that sucks doesn't it <laughs> and then pushes somehow was able to make a response to the fashion angle like that's the like like ozzy is a fan of both artists big fan of both artists i'm also a fan of hip-hop over both yes. of both of them so just seeing this 
uh, man, it, it, they're both so smart. Like, they're such great, great back and forth. And it, it is kind of a shame we didn't get to hear more of it, although it probably would have disintegrated into, you know, like, I think, I think parts of the story of Adinan are a little, are a little rough. Like, like Tupac, uh, or sorry, when Nas is like, you're a rat, mm. and Tupac's like, I fucked your, I fucked your wife. <laughs> like, those aren't like bars anymore. No. Those are just like insults. Like, it's, it's not, you know, it, it's not, it's not as good. Yeah. So, I think that's kind of the way it was going. So it's probably for the best that stops. It, if, you know? if Drake's song came out and it was coming at Kanye and Kanye had to respond, I feel like that's the point where it would have gotten into like a weird like area. Like who knows how Kanye would have responded, what he would have said. It's, it could have gotten gone a lot of different directions. So uh, mm-hmm. probably for the best that ended when it did. But the thing is, you got to give the round to Pusha T. I mean, you that's do. the thing. Drake, the biggest b- <laughs> rapper in the world, got bodied by Pusha T. So I'll, I'll... And, and and that was the thing. Everyone's like, he beat Meek Mill, a guy from the streets, and he had a great response to Pusha really fast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, Drake's Drake's been interested in battle rap, so you know, I think he he knows that the forty line is possible, and Pusha may have released that on uh, World MS Day. Not a great look. You didn't need to do that. So the, um, the other crazy but, thing about you know Drake Drake I don't think Drake expected expected that no one did no but fucking Pusha had his researchers man yo that that uh, investigative journalism uh, just one other quick note apparently how Pusha found out about the the secret child thing was from our guy ASAP Rocky who Rocky denied that already oh did he but yeah. Oh. Yeah, Rocky was like, that's some bullshit. He tweeted, he had like a tweet about it, which you wouldn't know what the fuck he was talking about if you didn't know the context. Gotcha. But he was just like yelling about like, don't implicate me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm telling you. But I, yeah, I, I mean, and I think that, that that was that was like a gossip report like, a, you know, like six months ago, right? That mm-hmm. Drake had a secret kid. Yeah. And people people either believed that they didn't, they let it go. And then once you put it in a rap song, everyone's like, whoa, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. Uh, no, well, it's it's, if anything, it's just entertainment. And I was thoroughly entertained by it. I, I what did Rem, Rembert tweeted? He was like, "I have laughed at 640 <laughs> yeah, Drake Pusha tweets." I felt that so much. Like I, it was like a whole day. I was just reading stuff, and I was so into it. Crazy. <laughs> and the best one, like obviously, like this this kid is probably like a few years old, so this doesn't make sense. But it was like when Adidon goes to school, and everyone realizes he was right, and he was like, "Oh, I, yeah," <laughs> you know. It, oh, this is... it was the, the, the Roy Williams like walking into the locker room <laughs> gif, like jumping up and down. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. Great time. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it was. It's been a week in the rap world. I mean, you had Daytona, you had this beef, and then you had Yay drop this past Friday. Um, I stayed up till uh, midnight on Friday to w- watch the live stream, which was very underwhelming. But uh, it was it was co- kind of like Easy Season Three was underwhelming for Pablo. Yeah, but the thing is, like, even for that, you got to see like Cuddy and Kanye like jumping up and down, like, sure. and I, that, that's a gift. Like, that's a moment you see Kanye like behind the boards. This was just Kanye good walking around a fire, like dapping people up and smiling. I was like, this is not that interesting. And I was a lot of people were there though. Yeah. You, did you see the pictures? Like Chris Rock was there. Jonah Hill was there. Well, like Chris Rock actually gave like the toast to open it, and he had a line where he was like, "So they flew out like 150, uh, you know, movers and shakers, writers, reviewers of the the music world, and uh, they they're around this big fire when they dropped the album, and Chris Rock is like, "Enjoy the big fire tonight. Tomorrow it turns into a cross," and like. 
people did not like that at all. <laughs> it kind of set set the tone for you know this. Fi- That's great because Kanye's like pseudo religious. Yeah, you know? it was it was like. I couldn't believe it. My mouth dropped when he said that. Um, I wish I heard. I wish I saw more people <laughs> aggregating that. It, it was it was crazy. So then Kanye starts to play Yay, which I mean, if you want to talk about the way the life of Pablo started with this beautiful, soulful gospel ultra song, light beam. ultra light beam. To uh, last night, I thought about killing you. Premeditated murder. Meditated murder. I was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, here we go. Buckle in. And, uh, you know, you know what's great about that song, though, uh, which I think is probably the weakest song on there, just because it's you know a glorified intro mm-hmm. track. But he he was like, he's like, what do you say? Like, you know, I love myself. Yeah, I love myself way more than I love you. And I think so about you know, myself. I've thought about killing you. So, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, the thing is, like, so Kanye dropped another seven track album. You know, that's what he said. Is that Pusha him? Uh, Kids see ghost, Tiana Taylor, Nas, and well, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Nas will be seven tracks. We'll see. I don't remember if that was included in there. Right. But yeah, we don't know that they're they're going to be shorter albums, and he's trying to focus it a little bit more. Um, seven album, seven songs is like the almost the perfect length of this album because I think uh, it leaves you wanting more, but at the same time, I can't really imagine uh, getting more and kind of liking it. So I think it kind of nails it as seven. Um, and obviously it's been two years since life of Pablo dropped um, and probably like a year and mm-hmm. a half since he stopped uh, working on Pablo uh, for good, you know, producing it <laughs> and, and fixing it up. Right. Did you like yay? Yes, Ooh. I did. I think yay is hot as fuck. Ah, here we go. Uh, so tell so tell me, what did you like about this album? Pretty obviously in like, you know, we're in, we're in late career. Yay. LeBron's in his 15th year. He's become a mercenary soon. Kanye, much like Jay-Z and Eminem, has to change as he gets old. And unfortunately, that doesn't mean he's become a little lyrically deficient. <laughs> I think this this album is similar to Pablo in the sense that the lyrics are just not quite up to snuff his past work, which is tough. This is his eighth album, his eighth good album. He has a very high bar for himself, but for whatever reason, he's not putting as much time into the verses, but you still get the flashes of Vinci's yay all over, you know? I think I think what kind of shows this album already shows its age because you have like the Tristan Thompson references <laughs> and the Stormy Daniels references. You have stuff like that. You also have shades of current trolley yay. The Russell Simmons line got me tooed. Like that kind of plays into his Bill Cosby Innocent tweet. Not the best look but it's kind of how Kanye, what Kanye is like nowadays, right? But I think there are, what, four fucking bangers on this seven-track album? I think it's just it's awesome. So uh, a funny tweet I saw was uh, someone that didn't like the album said, the best part about this album is that Kanye planted the biggest Tristan Thompson or the biggest Kobe diss that I've ever seen. Basically equating Tristan Thompson's level of, of basketball ability to Kobe Bryant is just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking up the lyrics here to all mine. Uh, let me let me read you a couple of my favorites. I love your titties because they prove I can focus on two things at once. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's Kanye. That's Kanye though. Let me hit it. <laughs> let me hit it raw like fuck the outcome. A none of us would be here without come. A that's like famous part too. Yo, I, I literally when I was watching the live stream, I I literally cringed. I was like, like 
come on like uh mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's the asshole line again he's he's a bit sophomoric and he's even called himself out for being i mean a douchebag he very famously in one of his best songs ever said uh mm-hmm. yeah i'm a douchebag like this is kind of who i am and we know kanye's been incredibly controversial uh throughout his career but particularly recently um you know with all the donald trump stuff the slavery comments like you said the the bill he defended bill cosby's innocence and then what's he saying in this album easy easy trolling od huh <laughs> which is kind of what we thought the whole time yeah. i mean he, he's definitely a really interesting guy but i agree there's at least three songs on this that i would say are going to go down as as classic kanye songs I, I ghost town i think is maybe the hottest song of the year and 070 Shake is mm-hmm. freaking, this is her Nicki Minaj on Monster moment. Just like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm about to steal this shit away from all these much larger artists on this track. Um, yeah, I think Wouldn't Leave is really great. Yes. Charlie fucking Wilson, dog. Yeah, man. Oh, no, sorry. He's no mistakes. No, Wouldn't Leave, that's the one with Ty Dolla Yep. Yeah, Wouldn't Leave is awesome. Yeah, Wouldn't Leave is great. Um Violent Crimes, <laughs> you know, I, I can't go back and forth because, like, it, it hits a great note. I think I've listened to that one the, the least. It, it hits a really great note for me, sentimental, but at the same time, like, lyrically, it's just, like, very cringeworthy. Talking about not wanting his daughter to become hot uh, because he knows, like, he was an asshole to women and disrespects them and that she'll probably be disrespected. It's just, he talks about possibly beating her. It's like, oof, like... I, don't, right, I, I mean, he did. The, you did this a lot. Great observation. Yeah, I was gonna say you did this a lot better on on We Major. We didn't need you to try to explore this a little bit more. So, just kind of let let sleeping dogs lie. Um, no, nah, but it, you know, you mentioned before you felt like Kanye gave all the good beats to Pusher on this, or the better beats. So it, that that makes me think you don't really feel like it's uh, production wise or, or sonically up to Daytona. I think it's not that. I think these beats are just by design, like smaller. I won't say muted, but like it's kind of like Pablo beats. It's it's kind of for more for the vibe. None of the beats have really really stood out to me for like the whole length of the song. But at the same point, I think like Yikes and Wouldn't Leave mm-hmm. and No Mistakes are good beats. They fit the song well, you know. But the beats aren't the star of any of the songs. The way I think, like the beat on the games we play, and you know, you know, is half the reason you listen. Right. That that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I th- I mean I think I think I agree with that. I also think you know, I get a very like graduation mixed with Pablo type vibe. Like like I mentioned, we sure. major celebration. Yeah, gr- yeah. Like those those could have fit very well, or these songs could, probably could have gone in there in some ways. Although I think graduation as a project is a lot more focused and refined, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to ask you the question that everyone that reviews a Kanye album has to ask after, where does this fall in your, your rankings at the moment? It's probably eighth, but yeah, I think so too. You know, it's right there. I, I think, do I, I, I kind of, my rankings change a lot, especially at the bottom, sure. but you know, I mean, 808s and Yeezus are like big swings mm-hmm. that some people love, some people hate, but like you, know, you give them a lot of credit for doing what they did. And 808s in particular are incredibly influential, right? Right. And then Pablo was something that the longer it was out, the more people realized, wait, there's a lot of great stuff here. <laughs> yeah. You know? And by design, Ye is a shorter album, mm-hmm. but I think there's great moments here, but I think... It's tough to make the case right now that it's better than anything else, but I, again, I, I think it's still good. I don't think he has any bad albums. Does this album make you forgive Kanye? 
<laughs> that, I, I've actually seen people asking this, and I, I mean, I think why why was that the question? Like, right? Yeah, that's the thing I, is, I, um, you know, like the Ringer exit survey I was reading today, they asked something similar, and the the response I I agree with most is that I never had anything to have to forgive him for because I don't really care about his opinion. I care yeah. about his art. And yeah, I like, think most people have felt that way for some time now. You know, <laughs> we said this when we realized the albums were coming. It's like I never thought he believed much of what he was talking about on the you know the alt right shit. If it's he wasn't even really that much alt right, mm-hmm. and he never had a, he never he's never had an opinion on policy. Yeah. He's not he's just he's just trolling, and unfortunately, I wish he wasn't doing it. And Pusha T said as much as well, but it's like <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. Kanye's a narcissistic guy. It's fine. Yeah. I'm listening. I'm listening to the music, and like the Guardian tweeted thing. Why isn't Kanye being canceled? I'm like, why are we canceling him? He hasn't fucking done anything wrong. He just did shit we didn't agree with. Although it like, it is kind of fucking crazy, relax. Because I I do feel like this is the Kanye album with the least amount of hype around it, which is that's true. Crazy to say. It's 175 to 190 is the projection first week. 70 to 80 mm-hmm. traditional. That would put him if it's low end. It put him fifth in terms of rap releases behind. Post Malone, Cole, Cardi B, and Migos. Yeah. And he's never been a, a dominant chart mover, album seller. You know, Drake has beat him every single time. I actually think that's a very healthy first week. Definitely. Given all the boycotting. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, when we were uh, texting about it, you basically put it into terms where, or I think, actually, I think you tweeted this as well. Kanye's albums go from very good to like, I don't know, like a masterpiece. Yeah, masterpiece. So it's you're basically dealing with like the top of the top, like the cream of the cream here. So mm-hmm. uh, I mean, definitely uh, going to be a lot of hot takes for time to come on on Yay, and we want to hear yours. So hit us up at hit us up at Nostalgia Pod on Twitter. Um, comment on our YouTube breakouts. Uh, share our YouTube breakouts with uh, friends. That's how you help us grow. Check out our XXL Freshman Breakout, which is. Uh, you know, getting a, some attention right now because XSL Freshman will be dropping soon. And uh, yeah, probably next week. I mean, it didn't drop today on Monday. I feel like they will, would want to drop it on Monday. So I assume next week, but maybe this week. And uh, like I said, we'll be coming back later this week talking solo, uh, a Star Wars story, uh, as well as the tale and um, Fahrenheit 451 yeah. from HBO. Which. Uh, uh, we got mm-hmm. we got to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, any any feedback hit us up. Uh, any last thoughts for the people, Dave? One last thing about Yay. Um, he basically acknowledged this, or maybe pushes it. I forget. Um, he re-recorded a lot of that since you know the whole blow up thing with the slavery comments and the Trump stuff, right? So I'm just curious, like, what else is does he have right now that's seemingly pretty close to being ready? You know, how much of the Wyoming sessions of which we know there was a lot of time spent there, how much of that is on the album? Um, and also shout out anyone who ever thought TurboGrafx-16 was a real project. <laughs> you know, I wish I could have that kind of optimism. <laughs> kids Have Ghosts comes out this week. Kids See, kids kids see, see Ghosts. ghosts. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Kids pre- might have ghosts as well, but they will be seeing them this Friday. Cuddy XEA. Um, we're going to be getting Tiana Taylor and Nas coming out. Uh, end of the month, we got Gorillas. Uh, that Florence and the Machine album was mm. coming out soon. Uh, so, also this week, Georgia Smith debut album. Uh, quickly becoming a very big fan of hers, so I'm excited for that. And we also have Black Thought 
and uh, Father, Father John, John Misty, Misty in the chamber. So a lot of stuff to get through throughout the month, as well as some movies coming out, some TV shows wrapping up. It's a busy month, so stay tuned at Nostalgia Pod. Stay plugged in, and we'll keep bringing you that content. You are hiding a child. <laughs>